0: is the steelers standard on steelers nation radio and podcast on steelers.com the asc north is going to be a dogfight this year all four teams seem to have some potential some more than the others but it does seem like i could not i would not be surprised if each team went almost three and three throughout the schedule. I mean, they are. You're all not surprised, familiar. and
1: yet when I did, when we were going through our, mm-hmm, uh-huh, the. 20th, oh, you were
0: absurd for that one. You but were I went three and three, insane. and you said, "Yeah,
1: that's preposterous." And now you're saying
0: I could absolutely see those three and three. I said I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, but your ten and seven schedule was just absurd. My ten and seven schedule
1: is so absurd compared to your seven oh, and ten schedule. Absurd. Oh my god! I'll bet
0: you fifty bucks right now that I'm closer than you I'm are.
1: I'm not. <laughs> I'm
0: not gonna bet. Oh, so much confidence you have! In <laughs> I don't like mm-hmm. you know uh-huh. a. I don't like the bet. You know I don't like the bet. People who say that know that they're wrong. No, I just don't yeah. like the bet. Uh-huh. Let's take a look at what happened in the AFC North so far in the free agency period at the early stages of the off season and kind of give grades to each team for how we think they've been doing addressing their needs this off season. Starting with the Baltimore Ravens These first. Baltimore. Here's the moves they've made so far. Fullback Patrick Ricard, they signed to a three-year deal. They Makes signed sense. offensive tackle Morgan Moses to a three-year $15 million deal. They had some help on the defensive line with Michael Pierce signing a three-year $16.5 million deal. And they signed safety Marcus Williams to a five-year $70 million deal. And that one includes $37 million guaranteed. So Marcus Williams was obviously their big fish. They get some help in that secondary at the safety position. They- Two really good cornerbacks as long as they can stay healthy in Marlon Humphrey and I'm blanking up. Marcus Peters as the other one. There you go. If they can stay healthy along with Marcus Williams being added to that secondary I think Baltimore's got one of the best secondaries in all of football.
1: They already had we one had that.
0: without Marcus we Williams. We said that last year now it's just even more so the case if health is permitting. Morgan sure. Moses obviously is a name that people recognize. Uh, spent a lot of time with Washington for a while.
1: One of the bigger names before the Steelers went out and signed
0: Mason Cole and James Daniels, that people were saying, this guy in. And this guy will slide into Big Al's spot, who they did not want to use as much as they did last year, but were forced to. And he has officially decided to hang him up. Congrats to you, Big Al. And he will no longer be playing in the NFL. But Morgan Moses slides in and takes over his spot. And then a little help on the defensive line with Michael Pierce can never hurt to get a little extra meat up in mm-hmm. front there to help stop the run. So not much being done by the Baltimore Ravens, but honestly, they were probably the team that needed to do the least in the division because their injuries were just so vast last year that if even half of them, if you give me Lamar and Marcus Peters and J.K. Dobbins, they're probably maybe a playoff not even team. That. They're probably I would winning. just maybe
1: say Lamar. Just bring and... Lamar
0: back for a healthy season. Yeah. So I think that they've made some good signings in some spots that they absolutely need to improve, but they've also done a good job of not really going buck wild here because there's just no need to. They have all the pieces that they really need to win a division, just need to get healthier. Right. This is a team who lost, what, their last six, five, six, seven games of the year? They were trending towards a division championship anyway, despite the injuries.
1: Most teams who do that, who finish on that significant game losing streak— would look at themselves in the mirror and say, what did we do wrong? Let's fix this. But that wasn't the case for Baltimore. I honestly think, Tom, you only need to give, of the five guys who went down, five significant players, really four starters because Gus Edwards is a backup, but still but so a big contributor man. to the reason that they're the number one running offense in the league, went healthy, I think you really only need to give them maybe even Lamar and Gus Edwards. right? If you're not throwing – a combination of Latavis Murray and Le'Veon Bell and whoever other veteran thirty plus year old running back they also brought in. That that's a completely different offense. It's a offense. completely
0: different offense. It's a completely different team. And I I just view it. You gotta um, and you gotta
1: think about it too, like the reason the run works so well for them is that it wears down the opposing defenses so that their defense is always fresh. So if you're not running down the clock as as efficiently as you are, then it. Then obviously, no matter who, even if you had Marcus Peters and and uh, Marlon Humphrey out there, they're going to be asked to do a lot with no Lamar playing opposite them.
0: I feel like this is the team that I'm going to pick to win the division this year. I think that mm-hmm. as long as health is permitting, they are the most complete roster in the entire division. And I'm actually looking for a bounce back year from Lamar. You know, injury last year, before the injury, he was having one of his worst seasons passing the football. Still winning games for them, though, because he's just the ultimate playmaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, he's a former MVP for a reason. But I think we're going to look at a bounce-back year for him. I think he's going to force things a little bit less because he's going to have guys like Dobbins and Edwards back in his backfield. Um, He still doesn't have that good number one wide receiver, though, and that's a huge problem for Baltimore. I would not be surprised at all if you see them kick a couple wide receivers in this draft class. Well, yeah, because like I said, they've got almost everything else they need, so just throw as many pieces at the wall as you can at that position and hope that one of them sticks to be right. a, a legit guy because R- you can't I mean, find one. Rashad Bateman... He didn't have a great rookie year. But he didn't I guess have the jury's didn't have still out on him. Back though. That's true. He was hurt the beginning of the season when Lamar was at his healthiest, and then Lamar obviously went out towards the end of the season when Bateman came back strong. Mark Andrews is his number one target. I mean, that's clear as day. He's the best weapon that they have in the passing game on the offense. But they got to get somebody else. They got to, got to, got to. So I would not be surprised to see them take a couple wideouts in this draft class just to try to fill that hole with quantity and and hope that one of them turns out to be quality.
1: Sure. No, I agree with you. I think there's nobody out
0: there who knows this
1: league and is looking at where it's where, we at, where we're at right now in draft month and thinking the Ravens have a more pressing need than a wide receiver.
0: Moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals, they have a much longer list as far as signings are concerned. Quarterback Brandon Allen, they re-signed to a one-year deal to back up. Quarterback Joe Burrow, tight end Hayden Hurst, signed to a one-year contract. That's a little sneaky, low-key one because they lost... I seen, These, oh, wow, whoa, bless you. They lost um, Uzoma to the Jets. Yeah, which is weird. I don't Why know would why you go, would go to, to the, the Jets. Jets when you're coming off of a Super Bowl team? But they get Hayden Hurst, so I don't think that they really dropped off much. They might have even slightly improved, to be quite honest I think honest they did improve. Offensive lineman Leo Collins signed a three-year deal. Remember when he signed, he said to Joe Burrow, don't worry, your bodyguard is here now. Big move there. Alex Kappa. The offensive guard signed to a four-year, $35 million deal that includes $20 million over the first two years and a $1 million in Pro Bowl incentives each year. Another offensive lineman, Ted Karras, signed to a three-year deal. They signed two defensive linemen, one defensive tackle, B.J. Hill, they brought back, and they also brought back Josh Tupoa. In the secondary, they brought Eli Apple back on a one-year contract. I was thinking they might want to move away from him, but they decided to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Jesse Bates receiving the franchise tag was smart because he's a really good safety that they can't afford to let go, and hey, if you can get him on the tag, why not get him on the tag? So they do that. Michael Thomas re-signed. He's a defensive back, and the one that is so irrelevant is long snapper Clark Harris re-signed to a one-year deal. But Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, and Ted Karras is where I want to start with this. Just... Everybody and their mother knew that the Bengals needed to get a better offensive line. I mean, Joe Burrow was getting the bleep beat out of him all playoffs long. He got sacked nine times against the Tennessee Titans, but yet was somehow able to win that game. The Rams were having a field day in the backfield.
1: Nine sacks doesn't really negate you as much as four interceptions by Ryan No, it Taney. does not.
0: But the Rams were also having a party yep. in the backfield all Super Bowl long. Not
1: really. Also, it really kind of started mm. later on. I think they had one sack and the, they got six in the second half, something like
0: all that. All I know is I hit the over on the prop bet and it was <laughs> one of the easiest ones out there. They needed to fix the offensive line sure. and they've invested heavily in fixing the offensive line. They probably still take an offensive lineman in the draft class this year as well. So now when you think about it like that, You have three free agents and a draftee. You have four new offensive linemen coming in, three of which are guys that can start. Collins and Kappa definitely, and Karras absolutely could end up in the start. Like, there is a ton of changeover on that Cincinnati offensive line, and is it weird, Jacob, that we're seeing the Bengals, as an organization, actually do things smart in the public eye? I mean, Everybody said that they need to sign linemen. They're signing linemen. I mean, they're, it looks like they're actually being run competently for once. They're they're spending money in free agency. They never do that. They're the notoriously the cheapest team in the NFL. I mean, what's going on here? Sounds like they found their guy, Tom. It sounds like they have that. It franchise sounds like quarterback. it
1: sounds like when they signed a. in Dalton, they said, "Oh, this is a good quarterback, but he's not the guy that's going to s- save this franchise." Seems like they have all the confidence in the world that Joe Burrow can take them to a Super Bowl any given year, but they just have to give them some help, and obviously the biggest area of concern for them was the offensive line. I mean, we talk about pressing issues for each team. The Steelers had the secondary, specifically the strong safety, the wide receivers, the Baltimore Ravens specifically just the receivers, the Cincinnati Bengals specifically just the offensive line. It does seem
0: like they're taking care of business. It does seem like they're taking themselves seriously. And like we said, they lose a piece. They bring a piece right back in to mm-hmm. replace him with Tyden Hayden Hurst. Uh, they re-sign the guys on their defensive line. You know, that defense was really the surprise of the Bengals last year. I think, obviously, you could make the case that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase's connection was unbelievable. No one could see that coming. And the fact that they went 10-7, and won the division, and got to the Super Bowl is just a surprise in itself. But a lot of that has to do with the much-improved play of their defense And their run defense was really strong throughout the season, so I think it's smart to bring both of those defensive linemen back, especially your D-tackle, B.J. Hill. The secondary ones, one I like, one I hate. I mean, Jesse Bates, I think, is one of the better safeties in the NFL, and I think there's a reason why you put the franchise tag on him because you know he's going to be really expensive, and you know that you might not win the bidding war with him when it comes to if he got to free agency. So, you got to slap that tag on him because he's way too important. But the other guy, Eli Apple, Uh, I I think that there's enough corners out there in the market. I think there's enough in this draft class that you could have gone and spent some of that money that you have on someone a little bit better, a little bit more expensive, mind you. But I think it's worth it. I mean, the dude got cooked in the Super Bowl. I mean, Cooper Cup just allowed the game winning
1: or the go ahead touchdown.
0: Absolutely. So. I, I think that that was a position that they needed to address and they needed to improve. I mean, I've been saying for a couple of weeks on this show that Joe Hayden was the one that one guy that I kind of looked at and said, you know what, that kind of makes sense for me for an overpay just to bring in a guy to be your number two cornerback and really upgrade over what you have in Eli Apple. But What's the Apple deal? Just one year. It's okay. just a one-year contract for So Eli. maybe that's so why. So it's not that expensive yeah. and there's not much um invested into it, but... I mean, uh, you just got to the Super Bowl last year. You'd think that they would be improving every position that they possibly could, and I think that they are improving every position that they possibly can except for this one, but if you were in the Bengals' front office, you'd be arguing with me that you are because clearly they believe in Eli Apple and they think that he has at least another year's worth of you-can-prove-it-to-us to take a risk at.
1: Right, and it's very possible they attack the cornerback position in the draft. Uh and then whoever they go with, whether it's their first or second pick, that maybe they say, we knew we wanted to get, take someone higher in, or in the higher rounds at this position to compete with Eli. And that's why we only signed him for one year. But it doesn't sound to me that they believe in Eli Apple. I mean, one-year
0: deals are one-year deals. But they believe in him enough to pro- to have another prove-it kind of I game. guess so. And then we will absolutely find out because... I bet he's the one that's picked on the most when it comes to Bengals games on Sundays. So sure, I mean trying you, to attack that defense. You
1: talked about the Steelers having a hole with if Miles, if Terrell Edmonds isn't re-signed Miles Kilber is started, Miles Kilber is going to be the guy who's. I mean, obviously the cornerback will be there, but if if it's a zone kind of coverage thing and and someone's heading toward Miles Killebrew, they're going to attack that area. But now it's even more obvious with Eli Apple being a cornerback, being a
0: one-on-one guy, for sure. I mean, he'll, he'll be targeted. Now the Cleveland Browns, who might not have made the most important moves for the division in the offseason, may not have made the best ones, but they certainly made the loudest ones. In the just, loudest one. In the entire NFL. Just the one. Well, there's a couple loud ones Yeah, in but too. the loudest one is loud. Trade with the Houston Texans for quarterback Deshaun Watson. Again, that trade was a three first-round pick haul spanning from 2022 to 2024. A third rounder in twenty twenty three and two fourth rounders in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty four. Watson will also receive a fully guaranteed five year two hundred and thirty million dollar contract from Cleveland, the most guaranteed money ever given out in the history of the NFL. They signed an insurance policy for him, Jacoby Brissett, one year four point six five million dollar deal, including four point five million of that guaranteed. That's really odd that four point five is guaranteed in a four point six five million dollar contract. <laughs> What are you, Bob Nutting? You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't give him the extra fifteen million or fifteen thousand dollars. There, I don't know. But Jacoby Brissett comes in to back up and most likely start a couple games for them as well when Deshaun Watson is on suspension. Wide receiver Amari Cooper with the Dallas Cowboys it's for loud. a fifth round pick and a sixth round pick. It's loud, but I but compared to Deshaun Watson,
1: it's just everything is going to be quieter.
0: They also signed wide receiver Jakeem Grant to a three-year deal. Uh, Tight end David Njoku was the lucky recipient of the franchise tag for the Cleveland Browns. Our old buddy Chris Hubbard, Mother Mm -hmm. Hubbard, signed in a free agent deal, re-signed with the Cleveland Browns. Another trade. They've been busy on the trade market. With the New England Patriots, they bring in defensive end Chase Winovich. In exchange for inside linebacker Mac Wilson, they signed defensive tackle Taven Bryan to a one-year deal. Anthony Walker, they re-signed to a one-year deal. Anthony Walker, I think, is one of the more underrated linebackers in the NFL. He's a tackling machine, so I mm-hmm. think that's a good re-signing there for them. And they signed Corey Bjorquez, the punter, to a free agent deal. So starting at the top, obviously, with Sean Watson I mean, it's a swing for the fences, but you also could break your bat and ground out to the shortstop with this swing. You know what I mean? Like, you're swinging hard, and that doesn't necessarily always translate to the ball clearing the fence. You're going to have to get through the suspension at first. Mm-hmm. That's obviously going to be coming down from the league. I'd have to imagine probably what, post-draft is when they'll they'll hand out that suspension because they don't want to do anything before the draft to kind of – Put them in over, a position. Yeah. Or just overshadow the draft. Yeah, like right. They want everybody eye on the draft. Look at Schefter. Look at Kuyper. Like, blah, blah, blah. Our draft is so great. And then on like a Friday at 5 p.m. after the draft, you come out with the – four-game, six-game, whatever it is, suspension for Watson. So they're going to have to weather that storm first. And then when he comes back, they're going to have to weather the storm of, is there any rust here? How good is right. Deshaun Watson still? I mean, you like to bring up the point, as well as others, that in his last year in Houston, they only won like four games, and he did lead the league in passing sure. yards. But do think lead that that, that would translate and, yeah. to more wins? For and sure. And it did not.
1: And you also had TJ, TJ,
0: JJ Watt, who was, I think, fully healthy. Well, that can't be true. That just—I refuse to believe he was fully Well, maybe fully, fully healthy. healthy,
1: but he didn't go down like he did last year with the Sidney Nanning injury halfway through.
0: So, he, uh, you know, there's still a question mark as far as how effective Watson's going mm-hmm. to be as far as the actual playing of He's talented for sure. Yeah, no question about that. But can it translate into wins is the question. And— is his supporting cast good enough? We know that his running backs are with Chubb and Hunt. Well, Amari Cooper is going to be the best receiver he has and I don't other than know, DeAndre Hopkins. I don't career. know if that's good. If it's good Because it's not Amari Cooper from the Raiders. Dallas, it's not Amari yeah. Cooper from Dallas. Like This is the end of the Amari Cooper road, and if he doesn't have another guy on that roster to take some attention away from him— They're just going to stick to him like white on rice. And Cooper isn't good enough to break away from double coverages like he used to be. This guy, Jakeen Grant, right? Like, that's not going to scare people. The only
1: time I've heard that name is the announcement that the Browns have signed Jakeen Jakeen Grant. Grant. And in this episode today, I don't know who this guy is.
0: I think that if they don't bring in another wide receiver, you could find a scenario again where... The Browns' passing game holds them back, but for different reasons. Last year it was because of Baker, and this year it could be just because of a lack of weaponry, a lack of weapons for Deshaun to use. So when the running game gets stopped, and it will get stopped sure. every once in a while, it just it happens. You can't just do what you want to do, seventeen weeks in the season, and and be successful at it. I think that they could seriously find themselves in a hole where I just don't have many targets here on this team. Amari's too old. Jakeem Grant's a nobody. Njoku's not that great. Like Last year, we saw the Browns
1: overuse Baker Mayfield yes. for no re- for no good reason. right? It, it completely negated the running game and completely negated the talents of both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I could see the same thing happening here, but for a different reason. They over, they 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 shy away from the run game because they have too much faith in what Deshaun Watson can do, but it doesn't translate. And then you're again, you're neglecting the running game.
0: And I think that Stefanski is going to have a tougher time now ignoring the pass, pass, pass mm-hmm. when he's got that quarterback right. Like mm-hmm. if he was willing to. Issue the running game to pass the ball a lot with Baker what's he gonna do when it's Deshaun Watson right back there you like, can't just neglect Deshaun Watson entirely and go full
1: heavy run all run all the time
0: now do you think there is a chance that Odell comes back as he said oh, he might man. be interested in because of Deshaun now I if I was the Browns if I was defense to get to say hell no like you quit on us before yeah hey I'm still Baker might be gone eventually once we decide to finally trade him or release him But I'm still here, and you quit on me, too. So if I was Stefanski, I'd say, I don't want that guy back. But it is just funny that Odell was like, yeah, I'm interested in coming back to Cleveland. It's smart
1: of him. It's a good team. It's a good quarterback throwing the ball. But I I agree. I think the bridges have been burned for both Odell and Baker to ever be a Cleveland Brown ever again.
0: Agreed. I think that Baker's release is coming soon, too, because I don't think they're going to find a trade partner. Because I think everybody's just going to wait him out. They're yeah. going to say, "Why, why would, why would I, I trade you a pick yeah, right. when I, you're not going to play him? What are you going to yeah. do? Hold him on your roster for a year? That's stupid. No you're going to pay him eighteen million dollars for nothing? Like, I know you're going to cut this guy soon. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be coming soon. They'll they'll probably make a push on draft night. You know, call guys, see if they can get a desperate GM. Uh oh, trade us. Uh, you got all these picks here in the fourth round. Why don't you trade a couple of them to me and then we we'll give you Baker? And I don't think anybody's going to end up biting. Finally, the Steelers. Who signed and or added the most people as far mm-hmm. as AFC North teams are concerned this year? Uh, they under Dwayne Haskins' contract. We know that signed Mitch Trubisky to a two-year deal, re-signed Chooks to a three-year deal, brought in James Daniels and Mason Cole both on three-year contracts. In the linebacking room, they brought Jannard Avery in on a free agent deal, which is a depth guy, might not even make it out of camp. Miles Jack, two-year deal, that is a starter right there. And they received the first right of refusal on a tender for Robert Spillane, Wow, they made a ton of moves, man. In the secondary, Mallette re-signed to a two-year deal. Levi Wallace signed to a two-year deal. And Akello Witherspoon re-signed to a two-year deal. The secondary, Miles Killebrew at safety re-signed to a two-year deal. And Carl Joseph was signed to a free agent deal. Carl Joseph has kind of been sniffing around this team for a couple training camps and preseasons in a row. West Virginia product. He probably won't make it again either, but just another guy that you keep bringing in to add bodies to your team. And then finally, the kick returner slash wide receiver Gunnar Olszewski signed to a two-year $4.2 million contract. So, I mean, a ton of moves from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, more than you ever see them. But not only are they signing a lot of guys, they're not spending a ton of money doing it. So they're getting a lot of bodies on a decent price, and they're using cap space, but not all the cap space. Don't they still
1: have like $14 million, $15 million left? Something
0: I wouldn't be surprised, obviously you need some of that, like about, what, $5 million or so to sign all your f- rookies that you draft. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Colbert walks into the season with like $10 million, $9 million in his pocket. We know he likes to keep a couple million in his pocket in the season so that he can have flexibility making a move if he has to. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a little bit more than he's even used to weighing them down in his Which could be beneficial to time. the Steelers in case that they need an extra piece and there's some
1: guy out there who's looking to make a move and – Does he always have the money to pick him up?
0: Kevin Colbert, keeping that money in his pocket was one of the reasons why they were able to go get Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, Minka wasn't on his super deal yet. He was still on his rookie deal, but you still needed a couple million there to go out and get him. He was a first-round pick, so he's getting paid millions of dollars. And let's not forget, it won't be Kevin Colbert by the time the season starts. And maybe it's a little keep an extra $10 million to transition to the next guy in the next offseason so yeah. you can have even more money to play with in your first official year as the GM, whoever that may be. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Steelers Standard. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Next episode, probably take a look around the NFL as a whole, so make sure you tune into that. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Offerman, and we'll talk to you guys next time.